This is it. On love. On this fourth Sunday of Advent, we will first light the candles of hope, peace, and joy. And now as we light the last purple candle, we want to focus on love. Someone once said, someone once said that you spell Christmas like this, L-O-V-E. This holds a lot of truth. When you recite John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That does sum up God's love for us. 1 John 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. However, God didn't just start loving us when Jesus came to earth as a baby. The Bible, the Bible is very clear that Jesus is part of the eternal tribune Godhead. John 1, 1, 2 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The Bible also makes it clear that Jesus redeemed us and chose us before the creation of the world. In 2 Timothy 2.9, we are told that God is the one who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given, in, this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Peter agrees in 1 Peter, 1 Peter 1.18-20 where he says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed, from the empty way of life handed down to you from their forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb, a lamb without blemish or defect, who was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these times for your sake. The love God has for us is demonstrated through Jesus. What should our response be to such a great love? First John. 7-11, we are told, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever who does not have love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. He sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us, we ought to love uh, one another. Where would we be without God's love? We'd be forever lost. Praise be to God for his indescribable gift. 2 Corinthians 9, 15. Give God the word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for that great love that, that you have for us, Lord, that your Son came in flesh to to deal with the the death of the cross Lord and you did this but uh, with us not even knowing and loving you and Lord we just praise you again for this this love that you have Lord and Lord we just are so thankful and we just pray that we share your word with others that they may come to know you as their Savior also Lord, we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Good morning. Good morning. In Luke, the second chapter, if you would join me there, we have the announcement that the angels made the coming of our Savior. Luke, the second chapter, we're just going to look at two verses, and we're going to look at them numerous times. So two verses, beginning 13, it says, And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just come to you, Lord, asking that you would open our hearts, that the Holy Spirit might be our teacher, Lord, that we might receive from you that which you intend for us today. Lord, we pray that you just forgive us for we have failed you. We thank you for your, for your undying love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, last time I was here, I spoke about the creep of the darkness that is overcoming our society. And it is a very real thing. It is moving to destroy our Christian way of life. And if you will let it, it will even take away your Christian walk. And in the midst of that, it is Satan and his lies that are trying to steal from us the true meaning of Christmas. As I said before, Forget about celebrating the birth of Jesus. Just get out your credit card and let's go shopping. We all need to see that there is a constant and continual movement. A creeping, if you will, to remove the reason for the season, and that is Jesus Christ. Satan wants to take our focus away from praising and appreciating the greatest gift ever given. Recently, I watched a movie, and I can say that I've now seen several movies very similar to this. And the movie that I saw in the overlying theme of the movie was Christmas is for everyone. But it is not. It is not Hanukkah. It is not Kwanzaa. It is the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. It should be a time, especially for us that are born again believers, to stop and to reflect upon God's gift to us, His Son. But now here we are, once again in the midst of of a frantic shopping season and all of America is out looking for the perfect gift for our loved ones. We plan, we hide gifts, we connive what a wonderful surprise we will present and all of that is okay as long as Jesus is first. But gift-giving doesn't always go as planned, does it? Sometimes our loved ones open a drawer and find that gift. Sometimes the kids open the closet and, oops, there are the gifts. 
Sometimes the gifts are not what we planned at all. I have been married 57 years. And during that time, I have had a couple of gifts go wrong. Actually, it started before I got married. I bought a gift for my grandmother and for my wife at the same store. They, you know exactly what happened. They wrapped the packages exactly the same. My grandmother was very surprised to get my future wife's gift. And I had a very difficult time trying to undo what I had done. But let me tell you, that was not the worst gift I have ever given my wife. The worst gift I've ever given my wife, she refers to as her horse knee. That's her bad knee that she has now. And believe me, it was the gift that keeps on giving. But let me back up and give you a little bit of the details. Jackie loves to ride. And after we sold our ranch, we had gotten rid of all of our horses. They had, got, they had aged out. They had gotten old. So I decided I would give Jackie a birthday present that she would really like. We would go riding into the Gila Wilderness, and we would use a guide and the guide's horses, since we didn't have any horses. And a lot of planning and scheming went into it. I got my good friends, Carl and Paula, to join us. Paula had never even been on a horse before. I bought some cupcakes that I could put in my saddlebags, and we could take it all with us, and, and off we went. We crossed the West Fork of the Gila, and we started up a steep trail, and Jackie's horse threw a shoe. Jackie told the guide the horse had thrown a shoe, but the guide said, no, that was just a shoe that was laying there. Of course, it was a shiny shoe, so we knew better. So we kept on riding, and I wanted to ride actually in the back because I felt like that I was probably the most experienced rider, and if something started going wrong, then maybe I could help a little bit. But the, the guide insisted that I ride in the front. So we crossed a very narrow ridge back, in, back a ways into the wilderness, and I heard Jackie holler for help. Her horse had fallen on this ridge, and when he got up, there was not much room. He got up right on top of her. He stepped on her thigh, tearing the muscles and the ligaments from the bone. Now, that's not exactly what I planned as a gift. It is not what I intended, but it is what happened. I had planned a peaceful, comfortable ride with some dear friends looking at some unbelievable scenery. That had been the intent. What Jackie got for her birthday was a visit to the ER, a brace, a set of crutches, and months of recovery. Things do not always go as planned. So that begs the question, what was God's intent with his greatest gift? The angel said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Well, let me tell you, we do not have peace on earth from man's point of view. 
And Jesus said there would be wars and rumors of wars until His second coming. Peace on earth, not on this earth, not in this nation, not even in this state, not even in some churches, not even in some households. And goodwill toward men, that's a rare thing. The golden rule is almost a thing of the past now. <laughs> and can anyone deny that we are living in a time where we have false prophets? In a time where we have persecution of Christians? Even in this nation? In a time as it was in the days of Noah? God said in Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Now I'm going to read this slow because we need to listen to each particular item that God is talking about. People will be lovers of themselves. We are living in a nation of selfie. Absolutely, we are living in a nation of people that love themselves. Lovers of money. Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, and having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Then God said, have nothing to do with this. How is this possible? Did God's most perfect gift fail in its intended purpose? Listen once again. Suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Again, did God's most perfect gift, His Son, fail its intended purpose? No, of course not. God does not fail. We have failed, and we are saved only by God's gift through His grace. We are saved by God's grace, saved by His love and, His, and the kindness of God. And it is such a unique love. It is such a unique kindness. His love and kindness are given despite the fact that it is undeserved and it is unmerited. God did a thing unheard of among men. God gave His love and His grace to us despite the fact that we curse Him, reject Him, rebel against Him. We are hostile toward Him. We deny Him. We neglect Him. We have half-hearted commitment even in our churches. Despite the fact that we worship as a religion instead of worshiping Him, we have false worship, idolatry, and because in, even in our trespasses and even in our sins, He still loved us. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Listen closely to the voice of God. Spoken through the angels, it is like a the group of carolers singing at our door. 
They are singing, they are presenting the voice of God while inside that is in the world, there is fierce quarreling going on. Some say that this is a song of illusion. It is an old song of comfort and nothing more. Some say it is a peaceful vision, but it is a mirage. Some say that it is a baseless dream. Some say that it, the music has no reality. It mocks where it used to comfort, it irritates where it used to inspire. This is how the re world reacts when we put Christ in Christmas. So it might be well today for us to examine and closely listen to the voice of God. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Is it a mirage? Is it an illusion? As we know, we have seen that peace and goodwill are scarce, sometimes even hard to find, sometimes even hard to find within the churches. We ask, where is the peace? Where is the goodwill? But we have omitted the most important question of all. That is the first requirement. Where is the glory to God? Where is the glory to God in the highest? Many people, in fact, many Christians, want the fruit without, and the end result without the beginning, without going through the process. We cannot, or can we have, peace and goodwill without glory to God. Often we look for the harvest without the necessary preparation. We assume the harvest is going to grow out of nothing. So many times we will take a part of a single verse, a single scripture, and we will claim its promise without regard to the full context of the verse itself. For example, listen to Chronicle, 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. We know that these are words that America desperately needs to hear and to heed. But listen, it does not say just to pray. It requires the petitioner to humble himself. It requires the petitioner to humble herself. America needs to do as the prophets of old did. Maybe we need to tear our clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and, and to mourn the failure of our nation as a Christian nation. Maybe we need to mourn the failure of so many churches from whose pulpits flow false doctrine. Yes, we need sackcloth and ashes and we need to humble ourselves as individuals. The scripture requires us to seek God's face, not just to pray. We should not just be on our knees. We should be on our knees with our faces to the ground, pleading for forgiveness as individuals, as families, as churches, and certainly as a nation. The scripture says, turn away from our wicked ways. But one might say my ways are not wicked. But let me tell you, brothers and sisters, God's word has not changed. It is the same. 
And yet we have a perverted view of what sin is. We have listened to society instead of God's word. Yes, pray for our land. But prayer alone will not complete this verse and its promises. God's people, we who are called by his name, must humble ourselves, must seek his face, must repent and pray. All of the verse must be heeded. And by the same token, the angel's words began, glory to God in the highest. So must we not ask ourselves in these days that we are living that are like Noah's, in these days that are full of hate, in these dark days of ill will, in these dark days of racial tension, in these dark days of wars and rumors of war, in these dark days of strife, where is our thinking? Where does our thinking begin? Do we focus on the trivia of mankind? Do we focus on the noise of this world? Or in this season of celebration of the birth of the Son of God, are we focused on glory to God in the highest? Are we focused on the most important relationship that we can possibly have? Are we focused on the supreme relationship with God? We must ask ourselves, where is my personal relationship? And even if the church alone would give glory to God in the highest, would we not see a difference in this world? More peace, more goodwill. And how do we give God glory to God in the highest? We give it to Him through our relationship with Him. But what is this relationship that God that gives God glory in the highest? I would suggest that then maybe there are many different relationships to God. For example, there is a philosophical relationship, which may consist merely of a mental acceptance of certain theories of a supreme being. Then there is a theological relationship, which entertains and perhaps even champions some creeds, but it stops there. Then there is a ecclesiastical relationship to God, which is just a formal entry into the registry of a church world, church role. We can make up other names for relationships to God, but here is the key. Here is the key. The key is that these are relationships to God, not relationships with God. These relationships to God are formal and nominal. They are not personal. They are not vital. They do not give glory to God in the highest. A relationship with God does that. How then can one enter into a relationship with God and into such a, and if thus inset that relationship, does it give glory to God in the highest? A right relationship with God will give us a right relationship with man. Can we give glory to God that will create peace on earth and goodwill among men? Actually, there is no question about a right relationship with God providing peace. This is what Jesus says about it. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. John 16, 33. Jesus said this. 
I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. There is no question that a right relationship with God will provide goodwill toward men. Jesus commands this though in John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. In Matthew 5, 44, he says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It is God's perfect gift to us that provides the answer. Jesus said, I am the way. And to get into the right relationship with Christ is to be in a right relationship with God. And what sort of relationship does Christ demand from those that he, who's, who he speaks to, to the soul that he speaks to? There is no uncertainty about Christ's demand. Christ asks and demands a full surrender of our life to the governance of his will and the power of his saving grace. Jesus calls us to bring our life and to offer it to Him as our Savior and to use that offered life in obedience to our Lord. God is not soft in some distant place. God is not far removed from man, disinterested or unconcerned with man's suffering and death. God is gracious, merciful, Love and kindness for man is shown through His actions. He reaches out through His Son, Jesus Christ, to help us. And how has He done that? By giving His Son to die for us. When Jesus hung on the cross, He was taking on Him your sins and my sins. He was bearing our punishment. We have com committed high treason against God, rejected and, and rebelled against Him, and the penalty for that high treason is death, and we are condemned to die. For the wages of sin is death. But Christ took on our penalty, our condemnation upon Himself. He died for us in our place, in our stead, as our substitute. And this is what the Scripture means when it says, Christ died for us. Listen to these Scriptures out of Romans. Romans 5, 6. When we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Romans 5.8 But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.10 For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Note that in those scriptures, the people that, the, that God says Christ died for did not deserve His sacrificial love. They were people who were without strength, ungodly, sinners, and enemies of God. This is God's grace. The grace that He showered upon sinful man, upon us, upon us who were lost and condemned. God's grace, the greatest gift He could possibly give to man. His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus is God's gift to us. Salvation in Christ has been wrapped up as a gift and handed over to us. But the gift is not ours until we believe. It is not ours till we take it, until we receive it. John wrote in the first 
book of John 3.1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called sons of God. What manner of love indeed. In John's letter, he had just spoken about being born of God. And if born of God, then we are children of God. A relationship so near and so dear, a privilege so great, that we should be filled with uncontrollable joy when we think of it. But let us linger on the thought of God's love for a minute. We lit the candles, the love candles this morning. So let's ask ourselves, what is the origin of love? Of God's love. The Father Himself. Here is the love fount. Love central fire. It is self-kindled, self-sustaining love. It needs no pleading from without. But gushes forth spontaneously from a righteous Father. So who or what is the object of love? We are. The impression that this makes upon us will depend upon your own view, your own opinion of yourself. If you are convicted of the sins that you have had and trace the evil in your heart, it will be to you a marvel of marvels that one so pure, one so holy would seek you out for his divine gift. And there is love in abundance. Love not only exists for us, given to us, it should go forth out of us as a rich and a priceless treasure to others. What did God accomplish with His perfect gift? That we should be called children of God. God's love has remade us. We have been born a second time. We have become children in the family of God. Scripture says the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The question then is, are you a child of God? Have you accepted this perfect gift? Over 2,000 years ago, God gave the world His only Son. He gave us Jesus Christ. That none should perish and that all might have everlasting life. When we were made in the image of God, the scripture means that we were made as eternal beings. Not that we were made to look like God, but that we were made to be eternal beings. So you are an eternal being. Whether you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or not, you are an eternal being. And when you depart this earth, you are either going to go to heaven and live with God through eternity, or you are going to go to hell and live in hell with Satan for eternity. So why was God's gift necessary? The scripture says because all have sinned. Every one of us have sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. And he tells us the reason that we need that gift is because the wages of sin is death. That means eternal separation from God. But the most beautiful scripture, I think, in all of the Bible is the second half 
of Romans 6.23. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And how do you receive that gift? You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead. And the scripture says you will be saved. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So in this time of remembrance, in this time of remembering this perfect gift that God has given us, let us share the love that He has given to us with others. We're going to have a hymn of invitation if you will stand with me. We're going to have a hymn of invitation. If God has spoken to you, whether whether it is salvation or whether it is that you need to recommit your life, whatever it is, now is the time. Now is the time God is calling you. God says today is the day of salvation. And if you do not know Him as Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation. You do not know whether you will have tomorrow. As we see.